Blog Talk Radio. I didn't, 
uh, from the little bit that I knew about him from recently, uh, you know, I knew that he wasn't really, I knew that he wasn't really into, as far as I knew, drugs or anything that would that would, that would yeah. you know, cause cause an overdose. Um, and I knew that obviously he wasn't going to die of old age. I knew, I knew roughly what his age was, so my thought was maybe you know some some type of a just, just unhappiness about something. Um, so it's it's kind of nasty to say when I found out that it was a car accident and potentially a heart attack that caused it. A part of me felt a little bit better that you know at least the death was something. Um, it's something you know it's terrible to say, but it's something that was a little bit more natural. Not that having a heart attack and crashing your jeep is natural, but it's something that we you know just things that happen rather than uh, something terrible like a suicide or, or a murder or anything like that. But uh, it's emotional, it's for sure. Hey Justin, it's JB. Um... You know, whenever we, whenever a wrestler, you know, passes away, uh, we always try to look at back at, you know, retrospectively and look at the guy's career. So, where do you think Macho Man ranks of all uh, all time? I think he's definitely top ten uh, for the simple reason of, um, as I'm gonna talk about on Chair Shot this week, nobody can do a Macho Man promo but Macho Man. And if you really stop yeah, and think yeah. about it, that's a t- that's something you can't say about many. You can't if he was in wrestling today. You could not have any of the current writing staff write a promo for him. It just wouldn't work. Only he can do his promos. And then when you look at him in terms of, you know, his, his ability in the ring uh, was always just, you know, fine-tuned to detail of the way he can make anybody from the Ultimate Warrior or Hulk Hogan look good. Um, you know, great with the backstage politics. You know, he's top ten, but, but easily top ten. Um, we forget about it because... You know, in the last 10 years when we, when we had these conversations about top 10, you know, we put Stone Cold in there, we put Flair in there, we put Hogan, we yeah. put Rock. We put all these people, Triple H, Undertaker, we put all these people that we've seen or we are still seeing in the last 10 years, but we forget that Savage is still there. Just because he's disappeared um, from the wrestling scene does not mean that he falls out of uh, out of contention, but he's top 10. Okay. And... um because, you know, Vince and him really didn't really get along, you know, he wasn't inducted into the Hall of Fame. Do you think uh, Vince at all has any regret not being not patching things up and getting this guy into the Hall of Fame while he was still alive? No, Vince does not have regret. Uh, Vince will put him in the Hall of Fame because the PR move, it's terrible to, terrible to, terrible to classify a death as a PR move. But the tribute video and all this stuff, it is a PR move for Vince. That's what he has to do. Uh, if he didn't do it, he'd get a lot of heat. Um, but uh, in terms of Vince's personal feelings, no, he doesn't have any regret. He doesn't, you know, and, and that, that, that's my personal belief. Um, you know, whatever's there between those two or was there, uh, you know, it's the, it's, it's the greatest mystery of all, perhaps, of, uh, you know, of, of what what the details are, but uh, no, I don't think Vince has any personal uh, personal um, doubt. Okay, you know, uh, Justin, we had a guest on on Tuesday who had George the Animal Steel on his show, and George the Animal Steel said that the whole idea of, and I know that rumors have been floating around for years, and I know that you've heard it, that supposedly there was something going on with Macho Man and Stephanie, and that's why Vince has blackballed him. And nobody else has been blackballed. But George Steele said that, first of all, that was ridiculous. And second of all, his opinion on the situation, having been in the WWE for so many years and working so closely with Randy, was that Vince and Randy were so close during Randy's time there, and Vince was, you know, really had high hopes for him. And obviously he was WWE champion twice during Hulk Hogan's big run, which is in and of itself amazing. 
But he felt that the reason Vince blackballed him or they had their real issues is the way that Randy left to WCW, kind of out of nowhere, kind of out of left field, just bam, you know, Vince, hey, you know, this guy's gone, he's not here anymore. Kind of like what Lex Luger did when he went back to WCW, but Lex was only there for a couple of years. Uh, any thoughts on right. that? Well, I, I did I did see what uh, George's comments were. You know, honestly, yeah, you know, uh, I would not be surprised. You know, I mean, I know that Vince and Randy were close when together, and they had a really strong, you know, kind of similar to the relationship that Brett had with Vince before uh, Montreal yeah. 97. You know, I'm not sure what the, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to imagine that just one it's hard to imagine that just him leaving, you know, for WCW not telling Vince would leave all this animosity from all this time. I don't know. It's, it's hard to make. Um, I think, you know, I, I knew I know George Animal Steel pretty well. Uh, actually, I drove him from the airport to a few wrestling venues uh, in, in the past, so I've gotten to know him pretty well. And um, so I take what he has to say with some with some credibility. But uh, you know, for for, for still, it's, it's, it's got to be something big, right? I don't know much more to say about that, but uh, I, I believe that they were close. But the guy, there's something underlying there. I, maybe it was, maybe it was, Randy flat out lied to Vince about something. Maybe I don't know. But there, there's got to be something more about about to it. Yeah, and I, and I heard something. I think I read it on Russell's on one of the sites that uh, Piper made a comment on Twitter that Nails punched Vince one time, and that's why he's been, you know, he was gone. And maybe something like that happened where Randy slapped him. Yeah, but that, that, yeah, that, that, was, yeah that, that, that was that was me that said that when I found out what Roddy Piper oh. said. I said. Well, I said that uh, when Piper when Piper had said that, uh, that that Randy hit Vince once in a bar, I said, keep in mind there was one of Vince's talents at one point that attacked Vince, and 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 and, and, and the goddamn guy got fired. So I mean, you know, you, I mean, it, it makes you definitely think there's physicality there, but uh, yeah. but you know, but then again, then again, yeah, that could have been just one of those wrestling stories where. Uh, you know, Randy hit Vince in a bar, and the next day they were singing Kumbaya and going to the bank making money. You know, it's hard. The you know, rest, wrestling relationships are not uncommon to have a little bit of physicality one night and be friends the next day. So it's hard to say whether that was the uh, that was the the famous incident that may have broken things between the two. Yeah, I mean that's true. I just you know I really find it hard to believe that Randy was had anything to do with teenage Stephanie, but. You know, that, that that's kind of besides the point. You see what happened with Brett. Brett punched Vince, and then he left the WCW under bad circumstances, and it took him 12, 13 years to patch it up. But, you know, uh, finally, Justin, let me ask you, You again, you said he's uh, he's top ten. What would you say is your favorite Macho Man match of all time? And, you know, what was your favorite storyline with him? You know, we have our poll question. We, we mentioned six different things. What would you say is, is your favorite moment of his? My, uh, well, you know, I'm going to talk about that on, uh, you know, the CSR Extra that went up on YouTube today. I said that my favorite, you know, my moment, I, I really like the whole wedding stuff to do with Elizabeth. If I had to go with a match, um, you know, everybody picks WrestleMania 3, so I don't really, I mean, you know, it was a great match, but I, I think more so my favorite with him was I love the WrestleMania 8, uh, the 1992 uh, WrestleMania 8 buildup with him and Flair. Uh, it was Flair's first WrestleMania. And yeah. the entire story with Miss Elizabeth in there, and and the match was fantastic. The finish was perfect for you know the finish. The finish was a uh, a schoolboy roll up that that Savage pinned Flair, and he grabbed the tights. So neither man, you know, Savage got the belt, but neither man you know, were hurt in terms of their character. Yeah. Um, it was just a great. The whole thing was executed beautifully, uh, and that that's probably what sticks out. Uh, but you know. A lot of people they probably take you know the steamboat or the warrior matches or 
maybe some later stuff in WCW. But to me, WrestleMania eight, Indianapolis, Indiana, Hoosier Dome, Ric Flair, that was that was where I was at for me with, with Savage. All right. Well, you know, one final thing. You just reminded me of something. Anytime you put Savage and Flair in a in a you know ring together, that's magic. A match made in heaven. But do you find it interesting? And do you think it says anything about Randy's career that all of his title losses were back to Hogan and Flair? I mean, he was constantly feuding with the two of them. And when he, I mean, he beat um, he beat um, Flair for the title twice or one time, and then he also beat. Um, Kevin Nash, but every time he lost the belt, he lost it back to Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, whether in WWE or, or WCW. What, what do you think about that? Uh, that's a great point that you make. It's something that a lot of people have not really been able to factually realize. That's a great point. And I think what I think about it is uh, is uh, that says how good he is. That reiterates my top ten. You think about what Ric Flair said. Ric Flair always said, "To be the man, you got to beat the man." Now think about the second yeah. part of that. You got to beat. You got to beat the man. So if the two guys that are always beating Savage. Or Flair and Hogan, well, that's a, I mean, he's the man then. Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a good point, Justin. You know, we really appreciate you giving us a few minutes. I know, that, again, we, we were pressed for time, but uh, we thank you for coming on. Hopefully we'll be, be able to get you on again in the future as we have some other things going on. But, you know, before we let you go, you told me yesterday off the air, you have another uh, thing going on outside of, of Chair Shot Reality. You have your own uh, show now on, on Pittsburgh Talk Radio? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the plug. Yeah, uh, we of course we have Chair Shot Reality on Wrestle Zone, uh, the video series parts one, two, and three, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then now starting this Tuesday on uh, Pittsburgh uh, Sports Radio in the afternoon, uh, uh, Trib Live Radio. You can listen live. Uh, obviously, if you're not in Pittsburgh, you can listen live yeah. on the internet. Sports Sports Talk dot Trib Live dot com. It's Sports Talk dot T R I B L I V dot com. And uh, from five to six every Tuesday. It's a wrestling reality one-on-one with Justin LeVar. You can go one-on-one with me. You can uh, call in live. You can tweet. You can email. And uh, and uh, and we'll let you go one-on-one with the, uh, well, not so much the great one, but just with me. <laughs> well, that, that's pretty sweet. You know, I told you yesterday, it's interesting you have so many things going on. You've got chair shot. You've got, uh, obviously, writing for WrestleZone. you got this. Pretty soon you're going to be, uh, you know, managing uh, Tyson Kidd over on uh, WWE Superstars. Hey, I'm next in line for that. I'll go for it. <laughs> All right, Justin. Thank you, man. We really appreciate you coming on. Always enjoy it, guys. Take care. How are we going? Folks, that was the one and only Justin Labar of WrestleZone.com joining us again many times. Uh, you know, he's been here on the show. And, of course, you can check him out at WrestleZone. You can check him out at ChairShot Reality with his co-host, Josh Eisenberg. JB, what do you think about that, sir? Well, you know, it's always good to get a couple points of view. So it was interesting to hear Justin saying that, you know, his most memorable moment was, you know, WrestleMania 8. I thought he was actually going to say WrestleMania 7, the retirement match, which, uh, yeah, that, you know. That's got a lot of votes on our on our poll so far. That's leading, by the way, which it kind of surprises me. I threw that out there just to kind of throw it out there. Maybe I should have put Flair on that list, too. But I just thought it was interesting. You know, he, he said it, and I, I had to – it just came to me like an epiphany. The fact is, and it's always fascinated me, Joe, every, he, he held the title – I believe four different occasions, two in WWE, two in WCW. He lost, but all, every time he lost it to Hulk Hogan or, or, or Ric Flair, the first time to Hogan, the middle two times to Flair, and the last time back to Hogan. I mean, if that doesn't show you where he stands in the upper echelon, how many guys could go toe-to-toe with Hulk Hogan, how many guys could go toe-to-toe with Ric Flair and then beat them, you know, and, and again, holding the title twice in the middle of Hulkamania, in the middle of the big rain, uh, JB. I mean, Macho Man was great. I know you wouldn't put him in your top ten, but I think uh, Justin and Doug and everybody else have proven that you are a pure scum, sir. 
Uh, well, proving that, you know, I'm the only one that's right in this conversation, you know, one way or the other. <laughs> right, right. That, you're right, you're right, Joe. That's exactly That's what I meant to say. So, uh, you know, no disrespect intended, of course. Now, uh, JB, I know you had mentioned earlier before the show, uh, oh, you were talking about the one and only Pyro Falcon, and he's going to be joining us today, sir. But before we get into all that. Ooh, yeah. As a matter of fact, sir, you mentioned that you mentioned my chair. What do you think about this? Step to Slim Jim. <laughs> I was waiting for that soundbite. That, that <laughs> might be his most famous soundbite of all time, believe it or not. It actually might be just because of the fact that everybody knows him outside of wrestling from the, the Slim Jim commercials. I mean, I know Hans isn't a big wrestling fan, but even he knows that Randy Savage did Slim Jim back in the day. And, he, and like Doug said, he took... He took the the sponsorship from one company to the other. I mean, how many people do that? Uh, not many. So the fact that Savage is so you know enormous to the fabric of wrestling just shows you what kind of guy he was and what he what he really meant to, to pop culture as well. Because I mean, JB, it was this was covered on every site imaginable. It was covered on TMZ, ESPN, you know, um, the Post. I mean, everywhere you could think of Yahoo. It was all over the place. And that's how big of an impact it has. You know, it's sad to think about, but can you imagine what will happen when Hulk Hogan dies, sir? Uh, I don't want to imagine that. Yeah, that would be a sad day, too, because, you know, he is, when people think of wrestling, the non-wrestling fan will, you know, whenever you say name a wrestler, it's always between Hulk Hogan or Andre the Giant. And, uh, yeah, I cannot imagine that day. That That will definitely be one sad day in the wrestling world. What's interesting, though, Joe, is you hear Savage, you hear the absolute, and even Hogan, you know, he's talking about Savage, you hear the absolute love fest that everybody seems to have with Savage. Nobody's saying a bad word about him. He's a consummate professional, you know, totally over the top with his with his uh, professionalism, just like us, as Angel from Woodland Park would say. But, the, you know, people talk about Savage such, with such glowing remarks, but Hogan, I've heard so many negative things. I, I, I'd love to, I mean, I, again, I don't want him to die, obviously, for another 80 years. But to to hear the comments that'll be made when Hogan dies, you know, it makes me wonder who's gonna be, who's gonna be talking crap and who's gonna be talking the truth about the Hulkster. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know to be honest with you. Um, if anybody other than the Macho Man would get so many glowing uh, compliments, you know, for such a true professional. I mean, we we hear about Hulk Hogan. Yeah, he he made wrestling what it is, but there there is a greedy side to that. You know that gentleman known as Hulk Hogan. So um, I think Macho Man still, in terms of like you know, good for the business. Macho Man might have actually been the better man, the better professional, if you will, um, than Hulk Hogan. Who do you think Angel from Woodland Park would say is more professional? Is he on the line? No, he's not. He's not on the line. But you know, he he, he <laughs> the first time he called us, he must have said professional fifteen times. So you know. I wanted to I wanted to get your take on uh, the professionalism of, of that man. <laughs> it, it, it'd probably be Macho Man at this point. I mean, I think Hulk Hogan, like I said, he made wrestling, but he also, him and Vince um, definitely shared in the power and the wealth of the 80s. And, uh, you know, Macho Man was just a product or just a, a byproduct of what Hulk Hogan and Vince had created. So I, I think we'll be having a different conversation if and when this day happens, you know, Hulk Hogan passes away and... 80 years from now. What up, Mike? Oh, yeah. 
You know what's interesting, Joe, is that I honestly think the one thing that's made this show so much better, so much more magnificent and magnanimous, is all these sound bites that we're adding into it. I mean, come on, whenever we could talk and we could just have our boy, uh, our boy Fitzy, just fire up one of these, yeah. or one of these, Woo. or one of these. Never do some gym. It just doesn't get any better than that. Or, of course, my personal favorite. Go to hell! Oh, what about this? I like turtles. Or maybe one of these. Shut up, shut up! Shut up, shut up! I'm telling you, Joe, you know, from the beginning when we first started this show, back in December, that was many months ago, and folks, we are two episodes, that's right, two, count two, away from the big number 50. That is huge, because Joe and I were placing bets. We were casting lots at the beginning to see how how quickly this show would tank. And you know what? We've been able to last 50 glorious episodes, which is half a year, really. Um, and it's amazing, you know, by that point we'll, we'll be in the beginning of June or the end of May, and that, that you know, ends up being almost six months. So it's great as a, as a fan of the show, which, of course, we are, you know, since <laughs> we are the show, but it's great to see that we've come so far, and you know, if you if you and we don't want you to do this, please don't go back and listen to our first show. We were doing half an hour slop fest, and here we are doing sometimes an hour, hour and a half, you know, practically two hours on our last show. It's just, uh, it's just great, sir. It's just classic, classic stuff. Now, of course, we have a an issue now uh, that I'm coming to uh, to understand that Pyro is having some, some technical difficulties, so we may not be able to get him on the line. But JB, would you like to get into some Mets talk, or do you want to talk a little current wrestling, or, or should we wait till if and when Pyro can get on, sir? Um, let's just uh, knock out some current wrestling stuff that we probably didn't get to on Tuesday, and then from there it might be we might be right up to Todd's take, and then we could go into Mets stuff right after uh, Todd's sports update. All right, sir, so uh, so lay down us. Well, I mean, you mentioned it, so we might as well talk about it. I mean, we had the debut only a couple weeks ago of this, uh, you know, wrestling. I don't know what you, know, I don't know what you want to call her. Her name is Karma. And um, there was this whole storyline this past Monday where all the regular divas were gathered in the ring, and Karma came into the ring and basically, you know, did nothing like he thought that she was going to attack them or something like that. But all she did was go down to to her knees and just start crying. And you know, we found out that I guess she's pregnant, DG. And I, I don't know. I think that if she's the, the the destructor of these divas, why would they write her out like this? Honestly, I don't know. But I actually read online that she's actually going to give a uh, she's going to speak for the first time. Now, apparently, you know, USA is high on her and they're interested in her in the WWE, of course. You know, they signed her for that reason. How often do you hear about these, these divas getting signed and making such a big deal and doing vignettes? I mean, I honestly can't remember the last time a diva was placed in such high regard, and obviously Karma is not your typical WWE diva, you know, being the fact that she actually has talent. But aside from that, um, you know, apparently, yes, yeah, she's pregnant. She's going to be out for nine months, and obviously, you know, me having a pregnant wife, I understand how that goes, and I understand you have to be delicate and you have to be careful, so taking bumps in the ring and hitting people with a... Uh, face busters and implant busters and whatever, you know, slot busters, whatever you want to call them, pure gold bombs, it just doesn't work. And unfortunately, 
the karma situation leaves you with a home in the Divas division because regardless of what, she really cannot wrestle. And I don't understand why they, they wrote her off the way that they did unless they're going to come back in nine months and say that she had a breakdown and blah, 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 yakety smackety. But I don't see how that helps her. I don't see how that helps the Divas division. I mean, if anything, what they what they could have done what they probably should have done, and I guess, you know, women on women violence, you know, I don't know how you feel about that, Joe, but maybe they could have had all the divas gang up on her and take her out, you know, hit her with a chair, do something to the point where they all take her out, and then when she comes back, she can get her revenge, because I can't think of another way. Are you all right, sir? I don't know why you're laughing, but I'm being serious. I mean, you want them to take chair shots to a pregnant lady. I mean, that's, I mean, I can't wait for the uh, the women, the women's movement to start calling PG and uh, boycott the show. <laughs> All right, you know I forgot about that. Yeah, good point. Um, I don't know. They, they could have done. They could have done anything. Something. I don't know what they could have done, but I guess they just they didn't know how to write her off. They had to write her off somehow. And uh, I mean, I'm sure she could probably take a you know one year shot to that. <laughs> you know what? You know what's great about our show, DG? We try and make logic out of the WWE, and I'm convinced that there is no logic because I guess if you want to be logical about it, she was probably crying at the stuff that she's going to do to these people in nine months. So she's probably, you know, they could have said that she's crying <laughs> for fear of what she's going to do to the women's division. She's going to probably just eliminate it one by one. She's going to eliminate a diva one by one when she gets back. So they could say that she was crying because she's going to destroy the women's division and then just tank the divas. And if she has uh, to you disappear know, for nine months, right, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. That, that's, that sounds like WWE logic. I just don't understand it, though, Joe. I don't know why they decided to write her out like this, but like you said, I mean, when is the WWE ever logical, you know? And unfortunately, I've been informed that Pyro is not going to be able to join us, but, you know, maybe we'll be able to get him on in another time. Of course, uh, we have some other great shows lined up coming up soon. Yes, sir. So you really got a latest SmackDown on it, sir. You know, we have a lot of great things coming on. Of course, we'll get into the rest of our guests. But, JB, give us your thoughts, um, you know, as we close, we're closing out this uh, first half hour. Give us your thoughts on what happened with The Miz. I, you know, I was able to get onto, and you didn't mention this, but let me bring it up. I actually got on the Busted Open radio show with Doug Mortman and Dave LaGreca yesterday, and it was great as always, you know, good stuff. Uh, I love their show, and, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. We were able to reach out to Doug originally, you know, and now I've, be, I've definitely become a huge fan of his show. Um, but I called in, and I kind of fumbled the call, JB, and I have to admit, I can now finally understand why people get nervous when they're coming on our show, you know? Why you got Dominic from Hicksville and all these other people blubbering like karma, you know, just, just weeping and sobbing because, of, you know, where you're talking to two two professionals. Um, I got a little nervous, and I'm like, hey, Doug, it's uh, Dave from Pure Gold. And he's like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, what's up, man? You know how Doug talks, like laid back, like he's, you know, on some controlled substance. Anyway, so after that, I, I'm like, well, I, just, I, I wanted to, uh, blah, blah, blah. I wanted to call in, and you guys were talking about the minutes. So let me get into the minutes. Anyway, I got in, I got into. I made my point, and he, you know, he told me later on it was a great point. But I really fumbled the, that call, and I was a little upset there. It, I mean, uh, it happens to the best of us. But uh, you know, I'm glad that I was able to talk to the sports boat Mike Francesa without bumbling and stumbling, because as we know, ever since that, we've been recognized a little bit more here on Pure Gold. So. Um, you may have called busted open with a couple fumbles here and there, but it's good that um, probably that I took the, the call to the sports pope, Mike Francesa. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, and typical JB got to bury me while you know kicking while I'm down. But aside from that, 
You know, the point that was made, and you're right, you know, ever since you made that call to Mike Francesa, not even intending to, and I wasn't trying to promote our show, I just was hoping Doug would, would remember me or realize, you know, who he was talking to, that he was talking to the great one, the icon, the showstopper, the main event. Wait a minute. No, not Shawn Michaels. But anyway, when you made that call to Mike, you know, we've been able to get guys like Dominic from Hicksville, we've got a little, some things going on with uh, WFAN.net and other things, so... You know, it's exciting because we've had so many different guests from WFN, and as a matter of fact, we have another WFN guest coming up next Thursday, um, which is going to be promoted by, by some of their peeps. And, uh, you know, that was, that, was, that was a good job on your part. But getting back to wrestling, let's talk real quick about The Miz, sir. What in the heck is the WWE doing to Michael The Miz? Well, we, we talked about it a little bit uh, with Doug on Busted Open. And, um, you know, uh, I understand the fact that they want to, it seems now they want to push Riley and make him a face. And, uh, I mean, I, I know DG has a much more better description than I do about the actual beatdown that Riley gave Miz. But all I have to say is that they could have done it in a better way than to just, you know, Riley basically on Monday Night Raw destroyed Miz where Miz had no no offense at all. And he got his butt kicked from pillar to post. It was just it just furthered it just furthered him, you know, it furthered Miz going down to mid card again. I mean, I don't understand it. The way I wanted um Sunday's pay per view to, to go down was that Riley would have thrown in the towel and then Miz wouldn't have to have to say I quit. The fact now that he says I quit, he he doesn't he never deserves a title shot anymore for at least a good year or two. I mean, he said I quit to a I quit match. So for him, the way they wrote the story to me made no sense, and I feel bad for them is because, you know, now I think I feel he's he's stuck in the mid card, sir. I agree, and you know, as my cat is over here making noise, I agree because the truth is that, like Doug said, it totally, and he said it yesterday on the show when I brought it up, it totally squashes any credibility that Miz had. Let's be honest, Joe. His title reign was not that good, and not because he's not talented, but because the WWE doesn't know how to book people. They booked a, a horrible title reign. For Rey Mysterio when he first got it, they they booked a bad title reign for Jack Swagger. They booked two bad title reigns for Sheamus. They booked a bad title reign. Uh, I mean, obviously Christian's title reign was, was an absolute slop fest. Um, I mean, Kane has a decent title reign, but Kane is you know main eventer, a guy who's been there for years, so let, you know we'll give a pass on him. But anybody they've tried to boost up from the mid card to main event has always gotten the title, won it right, and then after they, they you know had poor title reigns, and then once they lose the title go back down to mid-card. Let's look at the Miz. I mean, he's done nothing, and you're right. The way they set it up, the way they they laid the smackdown, and I mean absolute smackdown, Alex Riley owned the Miz, and I just don't understand what the point of that was. It, it, you effectively turned him face, Riley that is, instead of the Miz, and the Miz has no credibility. He tapped out in two seconds on the pay-per-view, and now the Miz is nowhere. He got beat up by his valet, for goodness sakes. I mean, come on, Eric. I... It's just typical WWE crap, and I, I think the Miz is going to be, be toiling in obscurity for a while, and you legitimately cannot <clears throat> say that he has any shot for any reason to, to face Cena again, ever. You know, this guy, Joe, this guy was main eventing WrestleMania with John Cena, and now he's basically gone down the toilet. I mean, how is that possible? Yeah, you're right. And another way, I mean, you didn't even mention it on the air yet. I mean, why don't you mention to the audience how you would have booked that main event. I mean, didn't you say that it would have been cool for him to to just pass out and not even say the word? Oh, yeah. Quick? 
Definitely. That's that's the way to go. If you want to get Miz even more over and possibly turn him face and, you know, whatever the case is, have him pass out the way Steve Austin did. Look at what that did for Austin's career. And I'm not saying the Miz is on Austin's level, but the truth right. is the Miz is good. He's got talent. If he passes out, you know, you got people singing his praises, talking about how great he is. Instead, we're, here we are talking. He's, he's done. His push is over. He's he's relegated to mid-card. And now he's going to feud with Alex Riley, probably lose the feud, and end up on Superstars, uh, you know, fighting uh, Yoshitatsu. Yeah, I mean, if there's any silver lining, um, or here on Pure Gold, any gold lining in this whole storyline <laughs> is that we actually like, you know, Riley's build, and he could actually be a decent guy. We don't know how good of a wrestler he really is yet, but, you know, to make Riley face, um, the way they're doing it is not the right way, but just looking at Riley himself, I mean, he's got a good build, like you were saying, DG, in our production meeting, and this guy can, you know, he could potentially win a U.S. title or in the Cardinal title. I mean, he's got he's got good mic skills, right? I mean, and you know, yeah, if he obviously. Has, yeah, if he I mean, has decent wrestling skills. Yeah. Yeah, he's got talent. He's 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 got some ability, and you know, I just don't get it, sir. You know, but we're never gonna understand WWE logic. So I think it's a, that's about enough WWE talk. We hadn't talked about it in three weeks, and now we don't want to get too far into it because we'll get lost, folks. True. As we get into the sports update tonight, our our uh, and we forgot to mention this earlier, but our. Interview, a brief interview with Justin Labar was brought to you by the one and only Easy Pizza. Easy Pizza is a new pizza concept, handmade 8-inch focaccia-style personal pizza. Choose from three savory crusts, including whole wheat. Choose from four types of cheeses and finish it off from our selection of over 70 fresh toppings. They are also running a special $5 pizza with any fountain drink. There's no need to call ahead. Easy Pizzas are made right before your eyes. They're ready to enjoy in only three easy minutes. Located at 184 Essex Street in Essex Square next to National Liquidators in Lodi. And they have also, yesterday was the grand opening of their brand new store in Seaside Heights at the Boardwalk. Now, you know, Mark and I, the owner, we've gotten to know each other pretty well because of this show, because he checks us out and he listens to us and he's a fan of our show. But he was showing me pictures of it and it looks awesome. I'd actually like to go check out Seaside Heights and, you know, go down there and give them some pure gold business. Thanks to Easy Pizza, fresh just got easy. Make sure to mention Pure Gold when you come in. As we get into the sports update, we see we have some callers on hold. Um, make sure that you hold on the line because once Todd is done, we're going to get into some sports talk. So, uh, Mr. Angel from Woodland Park, you wait up. Todd, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm great. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good, good doing good. Right. Rock and roll, sir. Sports is a quick hit tonight. Not that much going on. All we've got is uh, Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA. Uh, Heat lead the series 3-1, to one, and currently the Bulls are leading the Heat as they close out the third quarter. In the NHL, no game tonight, but the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 7, will be tomorrow night between the Lightning and the Bruins, and that is knotted at three apiece. 8 o'clock, puck drops. Be ready, folks. In Major League Baseball, the White Sox, they beat the Jays 3-1. to one. Royals, they lose 5-6 to six to the Orioles in the 12th. The Sox over the Tigers, 14-1. to 1. What the hell is that about? That sounds like a football score. A's over the Angels, 4-3. to 3. The Mets lose another one, 9-3 to 3 to the Cubs. D-backs over the Rockies, 4-1 to 1 in the sixth inning. Reds lose to the Phillies, 10-4. to 4. Marlins, they beat the Giants, 1-0. Jimmy? And as always, folks, before we let Todd go, we will now go with Todd's take. So, Todd, sir, take it away. We are from New York, we like the 
So tonight I am talking about Rex's Gang Green. On return from my business trip last week, I was I was fortunate enough that my lovely wife, wonderful woman that she is, had a brandy new, red hot off the press copy of the brand new book, Play Like You Mean It, by the one and only Rex Ryan, head coach of my beloved New York Jets. In the past, I've read some other biography-style books, uh, supposedly written by other sports, TV, and music personalities. And God help me, I wouldn't use the pages of those books of tripe to wipe my soiled bottom. Millionaires boo-hooing about how sad and lonely uh, fame and fortune has made them. I mean, please. But there's the Rex Ryan book. I mean, it's written like he speaks, plainly, truthfully, and most importantly, it's a fun read. Now, I'm only about 100 or so pages into this little literary gem, and believe me, folks, I understand that this is not Kerouac out there, all right? <laughs> the stories about his father as a young man growing up in rural Arkansas, his tour of duty in Korea as a master sergeant, 18 years old, uh, winning Super Bowl three, which, you know, touches the heart of all Jets fans, the birth of the 4-6 defense, the 85 fans, of course, you know, the Kevin Gilbride incident. We can't not forget about that. I mean, who doesn't love a good Buddy Ryan story? Uh, loving the way he talks about his mother, uh, his parents' divorce, uh, his brothers, and how they supported each other through all that, uh, how they stand up for each other, meeting his wife, the birth of his two sons, and the touching story of uh, their individual personalities. And not to ruin it for anybody, because I'm sure there's those of you out there that won't read it, but uh, the stories of, of Seth Ryan, you know, running routes in practice against, you know, the number one and number three, respectively, defenses in the NFL – and, you know, taking real shots, according to Rex, real shots, not to down shots from arguably the best corner in the league, and we all know who that is. I mean, now there's a chapter about uh, – I'm, I'm in this chapter now about Rex discovering in 2007 that he has dys- dyslexia, and, you know, like all celebrity books, there has to be a suffering aspect, but it's short, thank goodness. Now, of course, I bleed green, so my opinion is a little bit, you know, homerish, you know, just a little. So far, the book is, you know, a 109-yard kickoff return for a six points and a between-the-tackles two-point conversion playoff win. I recommend it to all football fans, and especially Jet fans. JB, I'd loan you my copy, but for now, it's taken. I'm Todd Johnstone. <laughs> JB? Thanks, TJ. I love, the, I love you jumping in with the sound bites as well. Fitz uh, has you queued up very well. <laughs> Gotta love it. Well, well-oiled machine. <laughs> Have a good weekend, sir. You too. Thanks. Happy Thanks. Memorial Day, everybody. Yes. JB, sir, you want to give us our, Thank our sponsor? You. Oh, I thought uh, Todd had one more thing to say. Okay, folks, that was Todd's sports update and Todd's take brought to you by, uh, I'm going to uh, butcher this name because I am the mad dog of the show, by Shalimar. Have you ever thought you of starting it, a Oh, good. Have you, ever thought of, have you ever thought of starting a business, or do you need funding to grow your existing business? Follow Shalimar, the investor's advisor, on Twitter at twitter.com slash Shalimars. That's twitter.com slash Shalimars, S-H-A-L-I-M-A-R-S. 
I win the spelling bee. Well, for more information, call 877-207-3402. You can also check out our website, which is this huge website. One word, folks, make sure you write this down. It's InvestorsAdvisorNetwork.com. You know, no spaces in between. Make sure you make, make your dreams become a reality today with the funding you need. And I love it, sir. And, folks, Jeez. it's Investors Advisors Network. Just make sure. There's an S at, inv- at the end of investor and at the end of advisor. Without further ado, we have the one and only uh, Angel from Woodland Park joining us. Angel, you're pretty popular on the show. How are you doing, sir? No kidding. Uh, listen, that uh, commentary this guy had about Rex Ryan's book, it was very interesting. Still, you're a big Jets fan, right? So what, what do you think of Rex Ryan? Yes, I am. I like the Jets, and I would like to see them win a Super Bowl once in my lifetime before I leave this beautiful earth. You know, but... <laughs> well, uh, you think they're going to? Well, I don't know. I mean, anything could happen. I mean, the end of the world was supposed to happen last week. So, you know, we're still here. <laughs> That's right. true. Angel, what would you like to talk about this evening? Well, you know, I I was just listening to another program show, another another um, another sports station, and they were talking about Jorge, uh, Jorge Posada going to the Giants. And because I, I understand that the uh, the catch of the Giants is hurt, he's got, I think he's going to yeah. be out for quite a long time. I think the whole year, so I actually. Think would, I think that would be very good for the – well, I think the Yankees wanted to get rid of him anyway. Yeah. JB, what do you think about that? I think it's a smart move for both sides. I wonder uh, – I just hope the Giants don't give up, like, something something big, like a starting pitcher or something like that. I just hope that – they could work out some kind of deal, but I, I hope that the, the Yankees don't get some starting pitcher of theirs. Yeah, I agree, you know, because the truth of the matter is that Posadas can still, I mean, he's not hitting great now, and obviously that fueled the fire. And like Angel said, he, he really hates Joe Girardi, and I don't, I don't know why, but their animosity goes back to their playing days, so I don't think that it would be a bad idea. And you're, you're going to think I'm crazy, Joe. I Honestly, I wouldn't like him to leave because, this is just me. I love the fact that Mariano Rivera, and again, I respect that man like nobody's business, but I love the fact that he's the first relief pitcher to appear in a 1,000 games with one team ever. The fact that he's been with them his whole career, the fact that Jeter's been with them their whole career, up to this point, David Wright's been with the Mets his whole career. I love that kind of stuff because you don't see that anymore. So I know him going to the Giants may be a good thing for his career, but it would be nice to see him retire as a Yankee. I mean, he's pretty much washed up anyway. Uh Hey, um, Angel, I know you, you uh, used to listen to Mike and the Mad Dog. You think Mad Dog would like that move to get Posada behind the plate? I think he would love it. <laughs> I haven't heard <laughs> from him in quite a long while, but I, I think uh, he's a diehard uh, Giant fan, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. He he met Willie Mays and all of them as as a kid in a hotel. His dad's a big uh, Yankee fan, but because of that, now he's a, he's a Giants fan. So, Angel, what else is on your mind before we, uh, before we hey, let listen, you go? What do you think about Voltron going to the Yankees? I keep hearing, you know, that back and forth. Joe? Yeah, I mean, I guess if they trade Switcher for him, it might be a deal that the, uh, and, you know, if the Yankees took some salary from that, I think it, it might be an interesting deal. You rarely see the Yankees and Mets make trades like that, so um, I know that the uh, the Yankees feel like they'd, they'd be, they'd have a better right fielder this year because, you know, Beltran is having a great year. It's his contract year. Swisher, for some reason, DG and Angel, has just not been playing as, like, you know, he's not having a good year. Yeah, I, I totally agree with. Would you guys want right. him on the Mets? I I wouldn't want Swisher on the Mets. I mean, what about you guys? 
I don't know, man. I, are you talking to me or are you talking to uh, my? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you, Joe. I talk to Joe all the time. I'm talking to you. Oh. I mean, what do you think? Who would you like from the Yankees in return for Carlos Abertran? Right now, I I would like that guy on right uh, that plays center field. God, what's his name? Garrison. Uh, <laughs> oh, Granderson. Yeah, <laughs> Granderson. They're, they're not giving up Curtis, Curtis Granderson. Somebody to hit, man. <laughs> they need somebody to hit. I mean, they got nobody. This guy Turner, he started to. I think he hit in what seven games. He, he yeah, drove he in got a, seven. RBI an RBI, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he, he was doing pretty good. He kind of he he actually drove in an RBI yesterday with, with a walk. <laughs> but uh, you know, the Mets. I don't think, want I mean, Rodriguez. Rodriguez, they could keep Jeter. I mean, Jeter, he might have been good a few years ago, but right now. Like you said before, he's probably gonna he's he's gonna end his career with the Yankees. But listen, I I, I wanna I wanna like like a question: Who in the World Series who's got the uh, who who's the pitcher that struck out the most batters? Um, wow, in the World ancient. Series, I I have an idea, and I think it is, but you guys have more knowledge than I do. I think it's Colfax, and I think he did it against uh, the Yankees. What do you what do you think I about think, that, sir? <laughs> I think he's I mean, his fifth team. I think he's well. Listen, he he uh, he has four no hitters, so um, he's one of the greatest pitchers in the National League. He's lefty and he was great. Yeah, and he didn't pitch very long either. His career didn't uh, his career didn't last that long. Your question is who struck out the most batters in a World Series? Like uh, in terms of what one World Series appearance or all time? I think uh, I think all times. Uh, you know, we, we'd have to have our, our fearless producer look that up because I, I honestly don't know. That's a good question. It's a good trivia question. Hopefully, they, you know, they won't ask us that in the fantasy phenom because we they'd probably throw us out. But uh, you know, Angel, no, I, think, we'll, I think you guys will do great. But I think, <laughs> to my knowledge, I think it's Colfax. Tell you too. I think he did it against the Yankees. Uh, you know six, what? Actually, you guys I'm reading. To be found. You guys were still in the distance. You, you were. You know, who the hell knows where you've been. I mean, but, you know, uh, that was back in 63, and I was a young man back then, so. Well, according to what, I, I, uh, well, I according have, to what I've, Angel, according to what I just found out, apparently um, the guy who holds the record for the most in one game is uh, is Bob Gibson. He actually Bob beat Gibson, Sandy Koufax's right. record. Sandy had the record, but, uh, you know, Gibson struck out 17 in, in the World Series, and right, in his right. history, in in three games, I think he's placed in the World Series. He struck out 35 batters. So he, he he's as far as I can tell, he's got the all-time record. But uh, you know, Angel, as always, we appreciate you calling with your you know wonderful trivia questions. And uh, you know, we'll, hopefully, we'll be able to hear from you uh, again. You know, in, in the future, as the Mets uh, you know season comes to an end in, in about two weeks. Listen, next week they're they're off, man. That's it. They were playing in Chicago. I think it was 35 degrees as as cold as they are. You know they they can't get warm. <laughs> they gotta go somewhere to to heat up them bats because I tell you, bro, they're gone. They ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hear you. <laughs> we appreciate Take it. Care. Have a good night, Angel. You. That's the one and only Angel from Woodland Park, who's already become a fixture on this show. I know we we kind of cut Angel off as he was he was uh, you know ending the ending his little comment. But uh, JB, any thoughts on who struck out the most batters in the World Series history? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was between Bob Gibson and Sandy Koufax, and yeah, I I really thought it was probably Bob Gibson. I actually thought that um, you know Angel from Woodland Park struck out the most batters in World Series history, but apparently I, I was mistaken. Now, sir, 
before we get into our, our segment with Hans, we need to talk about the Mets. We need to get into some Mets baseball. I've got notes here like you wouldn't believe. There's a couple of things that we need to discuss. Sir, if you'll permit me, let me uh, let, let, let's talk about the New York Metropolitans. Cue it up. All right. There's a few Mets notes we need to discuss tonight, folks. First of all, the Mets have to sell a minority share in their team to a Mr. David Einhorn. He's a president of Greenlight Capital. They're selling it for over $200 million. Now, the Mets statement says that he would make a minority, and this is quoting them, non-operating investment in the team. What that means, I don't know. Sounds to me like he's not going to have any say, but when you're investing that much money, you should have some say in what goes on, even if it's a, you know, a vote or something. Now, um, you know, the agreement should be completed by late June, and obviously this improves the Mets' financial position immediately. A report by ESPN says it's for far less than 49% of the club, and it will not, I repeat, will not include a stake in SNY. Now, Joe would love this. This man actually finished 18th in the World Series of Poker in 2006, sir. Did you know that? The name rings a bell. I mean, I, 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 the only reason why he rang a bell to me, though, is because when I think of Einhorn, I think of Finkel. But yeah, I didn't know that he finished in the world. I didn't know he finished in the World Series of Poker. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and actually, uh, it was on Twitter today because we follow. Uh, since you're a big uh, world poker fan with with the uh, WSOP, they mentioned it on Twitter, and you know they were well, he's basically considered one of their alumni. But yeah, he finished 18th, which regardless of what, he won over six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and he donated all that money to the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's research. Now, you know this is obviously good news for the Mets, but let me ask you, sir. What does $200 million really do for the franchise if this Irvin Picard lawsuit decimates them like we think that it might? Because the truth of the matter is that does it really help them this year? This, if this isn't finalized till late June, that's right before the trade deadline, meaning the Mets are not going to have much cash to do anything with in a short amount of time. And you know, ultimately, the Mets probably needed more than this to operate effectively in terms of actually adding payroll or improving the team. Any thoughts on that, sir? Well, think about it this way. He... He spent two hundred million dollars to to buy a you know non majority piece of the team. That doesn't mean that, you know, two hundred million dollars is all this guy has left now. Think about how, how deep this guy's pockets must be for him to throw down two hundred million dollars and now has probably another bankroll of about five or six hundred million dollars that he can now throw towards the Mets way, not say he's gonna throw all that money towards them way, but he might be able to be the guy that helps him get out of this this whole like, you know, lawsuit get him out of debt, and then potentially, you know, put a world championship on the field in a couple of years because, you know, I know Fred Wilpon is, you know, delusional half the time, but he said that with this uh, partner, Mr. Einhorn, they will want to put a, a championship team on sooner than later. So I, I would think that the $200 million, don't get confused, that was just to buy into the Mets. This guy has deep pockets. I think that, you know, it's probably a good thing. Yeah, but like, <clears throat> excuse me. Like you said, though, if he spent that much money, I mean, obviously his pockets are deep, but he's not going to go spend half a billion dollars on, on the franchise and then still have no say and have no uh, ownership, and I mean minority ownership. If if it was me and we said this months ago, I wouldn't have thought the Mets are worth buying only if you're going to give me 50%. If I had that much money, I would have been like, all right, give me 50%, give me a, an interest, give me something where I can sink my teeth into and I can say, you know what, I'm going to do this, this is what we need to do, let's make some decisions here because – and then not even getting a piece of SNY, which makes a lot of money. I just don't get it. Why would you invest that much money? All right, he's a lifelong Mets fan. That's great, and he's got some money. But aside from that, 
It just doesn't make sense to me why you would fork over that much cash and then not have a say in the team, sir. Yeah, I mean, if the if the, if the team is able to to get past this lawsuit and is able to put a productive and competitive team on the field and the team starts making money again, you know, he is an investor, so he's going to get some money. He's going to get some kind of he's hoping for some kind of profit in return in the next couple of years. I would think that this gentleman, as Richie as rich as he is. Is just as smart because you know you don't get to be that rich without being that smart. I don't think unless you win the lottery. So I think that this guy has some kind of incentive plan where you know if the Mets make some money, I'm sure he gets a nice cut of it. Well, we hope so. I just again, I mean, if it was me, if I had that kind of money, I wouldn't be doing this show. But uh, the truth is that if you had that much money, you really should have just gotten more of a stake in it. You know, more of a stake in the team. But aside from that, sir, as we move on to our next little uh, PG nugget, this all ties into the second one, folks, because uh, GM Sandy Alderson appeared on Mic'd Up this week. He said that the Mets will be decreasing their payroll again for next year. He expects it to be between $100 million and their current payroll of $140 million, so it's probably going to be in the neighborhood of 120 But what do we make of that, Joe? I have some comments I'd like to make, but what do you think about that, sir? I mean, as a as a Mets fan, it sucks. What can you say? I mean, they're basically saying they're not going to be that competitive because to be competitive, you have to spend money. You don't decrease your payroll. I mean, there there's some anomalies out there, like the Oakland A's and like you know the Minnesota Twins that did it with with such a small payroll because they, you know, again they're anomalies. But the the Mets by decreasing their payroll, they're telling you right then and there. They have no intention of re-signing or signing Jose Reyes to a long-term extension. And this team, you know, will be bad for the next couple of years until they figure out what's going on off the field, DG. So, um, you know, hit me with your stuff. Well, what I was going to say was if you think about the team, you think about payroll flexibility, right? Let's look at this yep. for a second. Luis Castillo, $6 million coming off the books. Oliver Perez, $12 million coming off the books. Beltran obviously is not coming back next year. This you know, may not be a bad thing. Right there, you're talking about 36 close to $40 million. That gives them some flexibility. So if you're going to keep this, this team what it is, that will drop you down to about $100 million. After that, you know, we can hope they add someone who's actually good. Losing a player like Beltran is going to hurt their offense substantially, and maybe it gives them the ability to re-sign. I know you're just talking about it. Maybe this gives them the ability to re-sign Jose Reyes. If not, then we're talking their payroll is automatically going to drop down to about $90 million after these four players leave. Not to mention, and of course, we hope that his option does not vest, but if Frankie Rodriguez doesn't vest, then they aren't responsible for the, you know, $17.5 million of his salary next year. They'd have a $3.5 million buyout, or of course they can trade him and not be responsible for any of it. That would be the best case scenario. I can't believe, sir, that we're talking about the Mets like they're a small market team. You know, if you include, let's say, about $15 million for K-Rod, then, you know, they're down to about $75 million as compared to this year. You know, their guys don't make that much money other than Bay, Wright, and Santana who make about Think of about, according to the reports that I saw, about $55 million for next year. You know, the rest of the team would round out the money, but no one is making anything close to those three. So, that, you know, their payroll, they probably have about 45 to $50 million to spend if they're going to end up around 120 What do you think about that, JB? But, you you know, you mentioned how the um, the Mets now might have the flexibility to, to sign Reyes. But, like, you know, did you forget about the comments that Fred Wilpen made earlier this week, or not earlier this week, but the stuff that leaked out that Fred Wilpon yeah. basically said that Jose Reyes, Jose Reyes 
is just, you know, he he's not going to get Carl Crawford money and that he's only playing good on his contract here? Well, <laughs> I did hear that, and those are dumb comments by Fred. But aside from that, I mean, they, maybe this guy, uh, what's his face, Einhorn, says, you know what, we need to get Reyes. I'll fork down some money. I'll fork down the, you know, $100 million or whatever the case. I mean, probably not. But let's just say he did that, then the Mets have no excuse. I mean, he's worth he's worth bringing back. I think I honestly feel that Reyes is such an exciting player, and he's such a big part of the team, Joe. That I think the, I think he needs to come back. I do too, but uh, what we've learned from the Mets is that I think as, as of late, the last couple of years, is that as Mets fans, we, we we don't get what we want. I mean, the Mets and the WWE. You close your eyes. I mean, they're the same company. Yeah, I agree, sir. I completely agree that. Uh, Yes, I'm getting threatened here by uh, one of our upcoming guests. Um, the truth <laughs> of the matter is that, that this team is just out of control. You know, what's going on with them is out of control. And I think that if they're able to, to have this playable flexibility and actually do something with it, it'll be great. If not, you're talking, like I said, you're talking about the Mets like they're a small market team, and it's something that I just don't understand. So I don't understand how it got to be this bad. I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I think Bernie Madoff. Two words, Bernie Madoff, and that's all you have to say about that. <laughs> I agree, sir. You know, folks, as we close out our Mets talk, and we, you know, we've talked about the macho man Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah. You know, we've talked about him. We've talked about Slim Jim. Do Slim Jim. We've talked about a lot of things this evening. We had Angel from Woodland Park on, you know, joining us, and he was talking about the Mets, and he was talking about the, who struck out the most guys, and Wall Street's history dating back to 1856, and, you know, uh, James uh, Naismith, the guy who found the basketball, and Abner Doubleday, the guy who found a baseball. I mean, he's talking ancient history. But aside from that, we're going to get into our next topic. We didn't we talked about it last week, as always, and, of course, we had him join us earlier this week. But let's, uh, let's cue up the music, sir. make this show so much better. Hans, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, and yourself? Doing good, doing good. JB, Hans, it's time to talk about Smallville once again, as the music would uh, alert you to. Last week, we discussed the character of Clark Kent. This week, I thought we should get into a little Lex Luthor, or Lex Luger, as Joe would say. Hans, you first, sir. Give us your take on the bold man himself. One of the best villains there are. I mean, what makes him great is that he actually doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. He sounds like you. That, yeah, pretty much. He believes that like what he's doing is correct, or he's doing it to better the world, but he really isn't. Like his hatred for for Superman, I I don't know. It's just great. I love the character. 
Well, how do you think he was treated on on, uh, on Smallville? You think that he was handled the proper way? Because obviously, you know, our, our take on him is based on his seven years at Smallville, and then of course his his final appearance. Well, um, his his appearing in in Smallville, I love the take of it. Uh, how they wrote him off is the only problem I have with it. And yeah. also, uh, as we talked about it, about the season finale, him forgetting everything. Those were, I think, two of the lowest points where they wrote him wrong or wrote the character off wrong. I just think they they did a poor job of doing that or how they went about doing it. Now, do you think that you think that it was an accurate? Per- I mean, considering the fact that Lex started out as his, as Clark's best friend, you, you think that the character progression was a good one? They took him along the right path to end up, of course, being the evil Lex. Let's take the last episode aside. Do you think they they set him up the right way? Yeah, of course they did. How uh, beginning from season one, how uh, like you said, they were best friends. Uh, Clark always went to him for everything, and then. Slowly but surely, he became the Lex that we all know, which is the evil Lex. So, let me ask you this, JB. What was your favorite Lex moment? My favorite Lex moment? That's a good point. Uh, I mean, I loved when he went full-blown heel, using a wrestling term, when he threw his dad off of the, uh, you know, the high-rise. Yeah. That was definitely to me, you know. I thought that was the one of the final things that was going to make him just, you know, pure evil basically, and uh, you know, not not an ounce of any good in him anymore after he killed his own father the way he did. You think that they they taint? I mean, that's a great memory. Of course, we all talk about it, and that's probably the best part. You know, you're talking about murder, but that's probably the best part, and that really sent him over the edge to be the character that we would know him to be. But JB, do you think they did any service to that, considering that they just went back and erased everything that he did anyway? Of course not. I mean, we we talked about that uh, a couple weeks ago. That you know, erasing him, his memory just made no sense in terms of how the storyline would continue at that point. Hans, going back to you, is there any? Let's say you had the opportunity. Is there anything that you say uh, that you would have done differently with the Lex Luger, Lex Luthor character? Um, as far as the beginning, no. Maybe the way that. Um writing him off or, or getting him off of the show, I probably would have gone a different direction, had him either leave Smallville to pursue uh, LexCorp or, you know, deal with other things, maybe have a, a spot on for for Bruce Wayne, Batman, whatever, and then had him go off and, and deal with him. That way, you know, he's still alive. Uh, they wouldn't have to erase his memory or or something around uh, along those lines, or even take the story arc from the comics where he's working on some sort of project and it blows up on him, and that way he forgets like um, he forgets who Clark is and certain portions of of uh, his memory, but not everything completely. Yeah, there should be a way that they write it where you you know you like if there was a way for the fans to have more input, they just should have written it in, in in a different way. But he was just such a fascinating character to me because he, like you said, he thought that what he was doing was right. He thought that he was doing the right thing, and of course he was, and you know, stalking Clark and all kinds of other crazy things. But he was just such a fascinating character, and I, I think that we can all agree that when he left the show, 
it just it took a big hit, you know. It took a big hit in terms of quality. It took a big hit in terms of story. When he finally finds out who Clark is, and they have the whole Fortress of Solitude thing, and then all of a sudden, bam, you know, Lex is gone. It was just such a horrible way to write him off the show, and, and obviously you, you both agree with me, but uh, if you were going to rank, rank Lex in terms of characters uh, of Smallville history, where where would you guys rank him? I mean, we talked about the Monster Man being top ten, but Hans, you first. Where would you put him? Um, I would honestly put him as number one. As far as the, the Smallville characters, uh, he would be Wait, my number above one. above Clark? Above Clark. I, yeah. did, I love how... Um, I don't know if it was the writers, the way he they wrote him throughout the seasons, or if it was Mike R's acting, but he was just portrayed phenomenally, phenomenally to me. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, you're telling Joe. <laughs> getting but the words I, on his stuff. You're, you're I, right. I think he, he is my number one, above Clark. All right, Joe, what about you? Hit us with it. Lay the smack down. Well, I mean, I didn't get to tell you what I thought about Lex the character. I, I thought that, um, yeah, he was portrayed really good. He was a person that was intrigued with Clark's superpowers and wanted them for himself. And, like, his root of all evils is really jealousy. And that's what eats at Lex every day is that, you know, Clark was given these powers and he wasn't, like, as if it was his right to be, to be the person, the chosen one. And it ended up being Clark. So jealousy is what... I think drove this Lex character. I don't know if it drives the Lex character in the comics, but in in Smallville, it was jealousy that really um, drove Lex over the edge. And I think that for me, I, I love Clark's character because uh, you know that's just me. I think he ranks second behind you know it's Clark and then Lex. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think Hans is on crack, but he was such a fascinating character because of the fact that. You know, he, he's not what you expected. Obviously, you know, he, the whole best friend thing with Clark and you know, that that was a bit of a that was a bit of a surprise because the the characters are not written that way in the comic books, but it, they just did it so effective that you you know, you got to I would say that you got to have sympathy for Lex and you got to like Lex as a character. So when he felt bad, when he went bad, it's kind of like, "Oh man, you know, that if only they had left him good or maybe they could have changed it up a little bit." But obviously he is the quintessential Superman villain. He's honestly the only one that can match wits with him. I always saw, and, I, and this is nothing I'll ever change about this, Hans, that I think it's kind of pathetic that, that Superman's greatest villain is not someone super powerful. I mean, he always ha he has the worst gallery of villains ever. Batman has the best, followed by uh, my boy Spider-Man. But his villains are usually terrible. And the fact that a normal person is his main villain, and he's the villain in every single one of his movies, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know. It, it, for me, it's a bit much. Well, no, I agree with you there. It, it is a bit much for, for like you said, somebody normal to to be Superman's greatest villain. But, I mean, the way Lex is written in the comic, not so much the movies, because um, from the 80 movies with Christopher Reeves, uh, it was a little campy for me. Gene, I mean, Gene Hackman did a good job, but it was, it was a little campy, it was a little childish. I didn't really like the way he played him. Uh, Kevin Spacey, I believe, was the next person to play him. He did an uh, all right job. I mean, because they, they didn't touch on who Lex really is, and Smallville did that in, in a way that nobody else has. Yeah, I agree. And they did it in such a way that, I mean, I wish that this, I honestly wish that the way that, Smallville is. I wish that was like the real Superman canon because it was just so 
you know, like I said, it made you care about characters like Lex more than ever. It made you care about characters like Lana more than ever, almost more than in the Superman mythos themselves. They really just did such a great job with them. But you know, as uh, I think we've we've beaten this this horse as much as we can with with Lex. You know, next week we'll continue to talk about uh, Lois and get into some other characters. But you know, Hans, I believe you have some other uh, television news to get into, sir. Uh, yeah, like uh, Tuesday we went over what shows are being renewed, which ones are being canceled. Today I'm going to go through some of the shows or most of the shows that are going to be new to this uh, fall season. And uh, I'm going to just give a little, uh, I guess, a little cap about what each one is about, um, starting with Alcatraz. It's um, it's about uh, FBI agents and a cop who are tracking down uh, some prisoners and guards who who reappear from from Alcatraz after disappearing 30 years earlier. And it stars uh, one of the lost characters, George Garcia, the big guy. He's in it, and it's by J.J. Abrams. So it's going to have that lost feeling or the event, shows like that. It's along those lines. And basically, it'll get canceled mid-season. Is what you're saying? Well, it's I believe on ABC, so or actually Fox, it might stand. Oh, okay, so it'll probably uh, last for a bit. Yeah, maybe a couple seasons. Another one, uh, animated series. It's called Alan Gregory. It's created and voiced by Jonah Hill, the guy from Superbad, and oh, it's about um, this seven-year-old kid who thinks he's older than what he really is, and now he has to go to school with uh, people his own age. Okay. Uh, he's show, a seven-year-old kid? Yeah. Uh, it says, precocious seven-year-old about to embark on his greatest challenge, attending elementary school. And what channel is this on? Also on Fox. Okay, maybe that'll last. Anything on Fox is a chance. Anything on NBC, we know how Joe feels about that. So uh, what else, sir? Uh, next is Apartment 23. It's about um, this girl moving, uh, moving this Midwestern girl moving to New York, and she moves in with a the worst person possible. And Joe B? The premise of the show. No, not me. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the next one, it's called Are You There, Vodka? It's Me, Chelsea. It's no, by wait, what? It's, In the hell is it called? Are You Are you There, Vodka? It's Me, Chelsea. That's bad. Wow. It's, like it, it's based on uh, Chelsea Handler's book. Who the hell is Chelsea Handler? Some comedian. She has her uh, late night show or something. I have no idea who she is. She... She hosted MTV, uh, some MTV Music Awards. Not funny at all. I didn't find her funny at all. I don't think the show is going to last. At, because of the, the way the show, the premise of the show, it's about um, the girl from that 70s show, the redhead. She's um stars as an outspoken, sexually aggressive young woman who works in a bar where she drinks away its profits. Oh, that is awesome. the problem. Yeah, that is going well, to... What channel is this garbage on? Okay, yeah, that, that'll be what? gone. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I just got news. It, it just got canceled. <laughs> uh, what else? Next there? one up, also on NBC. I don't, it sounds good. 
It's called The Wake. Sounds um again along the lines of uh of the event and lost. It's about a cop who wakes up after a car accident and uh it's going to be taking place in two different realities, one where his wife lives through the accident and the other one is where his son lives through the accident. Oh wow, that okay. sounds interesting. And what channel is this on? NBC. NBC. <laughs> oh, so, all right. Well, <laughs> you might get one season. We might get one if episode. We get, <laughs> get four episodes. Okay, I'll put mid-season. Joe will be into it. He'll be the man. that's the greatest show I've ever seen in my life. Oh wait, it just got canceled mid-episode. Wow, that's great. Imagine it. <laughs> well, I can see it mid-episode. Yeah, a sign flash because it'll say uh, this. Yeah, during the midway point, I'd be like, "This show is not pure gold, so it is now canceled." Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Uh, Another uh, show on NBC. It's called Bent. It stars one of the characters from Perfect Couples and Amanda Peet. Already, I hate it. Yeah. Wait, which character from Perfect Couples? Which horrible guy? Um. Well, you you said you watched it. It's the the guy uh, that was in the crazy relationship where they were constantly oh, breaking up. The worst character in the entire show. Nice. That show's going to suck. Yeah. Amanda Pete's not that bad. This guy is horrible. Well, it's uh, it seems to be another, like, love, romantic comedy show. It, she's <laughs> newly divorced, and she tries not to fall in love with her contractor, which is that character or that <laughs> guy. Yeah. That's done. What else, sir? Garbage. Uh, another one is called BFF, again, on NBC. And, um, <laughs> it's about me and Joe and you? <laughs> no, no, not at all. That would be a great show. That would never it get would. canceled, even on NBC. Never. It would be called F U. Uh, this one <laughs> is about... Go to hell. Exactly. Sorry, sir, what? This one is about a woman and her boyfriend taking their neurotic best friend after her divorce. Uh, Another one, yeah, another one on ABC, uh, Charlie's Angels, the remake. I like Total. Yep. (laughs) Wait, what did you say? Charlie's Charlie's Angels? Garbage. Yes. Who's going to be in that? uh, you know one of the characters or one of the actresses, uh, Minka Kelly. She was in yeah. I believe, The Roommate. Yeah, she was or is. Yeah, I know Minka Kelly. Uh, All right, it's gonna be successful. Are... I, I take it back what I just said. It's gonna be a hit. <laughs> uh, the other two are Rachel Taylor and Annie uh, Ionset. I have no idea how to pronounce that. Well, they're horrible, but aside from them, I think it'll be successful because of Mika Kelly. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Isn't, uh, Joe, isn't she dating Derek Jeter? Is she still dating Derek Jeter? Yeah, I believe is she? she is. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's dating uh, the Jeet, as, as Girardi likes to call him. Yeah. Maybe he'll appear on the show and he'll, uh, you know, take up acting and, and stop playing shortstop for the Yankees. But anyway, sir, uh, give us some more garbage that's going to be canceled on NBC. Uh, a bone spinoff called The Finder, <laughs> and it's just uh, about uh, wait, what, what's the spinoff called? Flesh? What'd you say? I thought it was the called Finder. Skin. 
to find out who's going to be. Is there anybody from Bones going to be in it? Because you know those those spinoff shows are normally one person makes yep. one appearance in one episode, and then it's a total. You know, that's it. That, that he gets a show or she gets a show. No, it, it's not. Uh, it has. It's starring um, Michael Clark Duncan, Saffron Oh my Burns, gosh! Who? Plastical Birth. Who? Wait, what did you say? Plastical Birth. Who? Who's in the movie? Who's in the show? Michael Clark Duncan. And who else? Uh, Saffron Burrows. Oh yeah, she Jeff. was on. Uh, I think she was on uh, Law and Order: Criminal Intent for a season. I know exactly who that is. She's she's a pretty she's weird, but she's a pretty good actress. Okay, well she's in it, and Jeff Stoltz. Jeff Stoltz. But I have no none idea of them, that is. None of them appeared on Bones. Oh, that's that's great. That's what's the point of even being a spin-off? What else, sir? Give us some more hot messes. Uh, the firm. Uh, it's based on the book, and it continues where the movie left off ten years later, on NBC. Canceled. Who's in it? Uh, nobody. Nobody famous. <laughs> All right, so nobody's in the show. That's good. <laughs> uh, that, that's some, some good stuff, huh? Nobody always, worth well, mentioning. Okay, well, you mean like Michael Clark Duncan? So, so what else there? Oh, yo, speaking of which, before you continue, the Heat have officially closed out. And Todd's not with us. Have closed out the the Bulls. They won eighty three to eighty. Heat are gonna get swept in the NBA Finals against the Dallas Mavericks. But anyway, so you were saying? Uh, um, free agents. It's another romantic comedy on NBC where. Uh, one person's fiance passed away, and the other one is recently divorced, and they fall in love. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's I want to watch that. Definitely uplifting stuff. Uh, Gifted Man, starring uh, Patrick Gomez. Wilson. <laughs> Wait, who? Patrick, who the hell is Patrick Wilson? Who's that? that? That's my show. That dirtbag is taking over my slot. I should be on that show. He was in the The Watchmen. I hate him. And a couple other movies. I have no idea. He's, He's an all right actor. It's just uh, about a competitive, ultra competitive surgeon who takes <laughs> advice from his ex-wife who is dead. <laughs> wow, man! These, these, do you have any shows that actually sound good? Because every show that you've mentioned so far has sounded like complete and utter crap. No, I don't. I don't think there's any. Well, other than Alcatraz and Awake, there really doesn't seem. Yeah, all Awake, these Awake comedies uh, seem like they're going to get canceled. I don't know why they're doing they that. They already got canceled. Well, sir, uh, is there anything else you'd like to uh, share with us before we close out? Do we, we put a nice little bow on this show? Well, uh, there's a whole gang load of shows. I mean, we can pick this up next week or keep going. It's up to you guys. Did you watch yeah, the I event think... yet? Did I watch what? The event? No, not yet, sir. This weekend I will be getting to it. Good. All right, Hans, just uh, hit us with the, hit us with some rapid fire. Just uh, you know, spit out the shows and uh, you know, throw it against the wall, see if it sticks. Go. All right, good Christian bells, grim, heart of Dixie, how to be a gentleman. I Hate My Teenage Daughter, Last Man Standing, nice. uh, Man Up, Missing, Napoleon Dynamite, New Wait, Girl. Napoleon Dynamite TV show? 
Yes, a cartoon, also on Fox. Wait, wait, wait. Is, is that Randy Axe going to be in it? Uh, yes, featuring the voices of the original cast. Nice! I am totally going to watch that show. And as a matter of fact, I hope it airs during this show so I can quote it while we're on the air. It's on Sunday nights, mid-season. Damn, Damn it. Yep. All right, go. Uh, New Girl, Once Upon a Time, Pan Am, Person of Interest, The Playboy Club, Prime Suspect. Yeah. I heard Playboy Fabry. All right, continue, Revenge, please. Ringer, The River, Secret Circle, Scandal, Smash, mm. Suburgatory, uh, Terra Nova, right. Two Broke Girls, Two Two, Unforgettable, Up All Night, Whitney, Work It, and that's all. Wait, there's a sh- there's a show called Whitney. Are you serious? Yeah. Yes. Wow. I am. That that is horrible. Hans. As always, we appreciate your take. We appreciate you coming on and giving us way more information than we actually need. Sir, it's a pleasure. We'll see you next week. All right. Have a good night. (laughs) You too, sir. Folks, that was the one only Hans joining us, as always, a staple of the Pure Gold team. JB, do you have any nuggets for us as we close out this bad boy? Well, you know, people, we've been joking about it uh, since Tuesday. And the world didn't end, but you told me that Harold Camping came out of his uh, of his house, and I guess he corrected the date again, and said it wasn't May 21st. I meant, I meant, I really meant it was going to be October 21st of this year. What do you think? Yeah, he is a buffoon. You know, actually, I was uh, I was at church last night, and I had the honor of uh, bringing the word and preaching, as it were. And I was, I, I mean, I touched on Harold Camping, and did you know, sir, that there was a there was a mother who actually tried to kill herself and her two daughters. She actually slit their throats and somehow, some way they all survived. Can you imagine that? All because of the towel camping thing because she bought into it so much, this false teaching of his that when the world didn't end she didn't know what to do, so she tried to kill herself and her daughters. That's that's sad. It really is. It's an absolute shame and how camping should be locked up and, you know, throw away the key. I was listening to him the other day and he was saying that you know, the reporters were asking him, you're going to give back the money. He's like, why should I give it back? I mean, I, you know, they gave it. I didn't tell him to give it. And they asked him what was he going to do with his possessions before October 21st. Like, would he get rid of them on October 20th? And he's like, you know, let's just change the subject. Like, I, that's not worth mentioning. And why would I do that? So Howard Camping is uh, scumming it up, as it were, pure gold style. And he is an absolute weasel, sir. Yep. I guess uh, just two things that J-Lo, our, you know, entertainment reporter, wanted to give us is that, you know, American Idol ended last night, and Scotty ended up winning it versus Lauren. Lauren was uh, J Lo's take to take it all. She's a 16-year-old. Uh, they're both country singers, and Scotty wins two th- the 2011 American Idol. So we wish him the best of luck. And then Dancing with the Stars ended on Tuesday night with Heinz Ward winning that competition. So, you know, I can't congratulate Heinz Ward. He is a Pittsburgh Steeler. So those are the two entertainment nuggets. And then we should really talk about Hans. About like three movies that I, I just want to get his take on. I mean, you're gonna laugh. You probably don't want to talk about Hangover Two, but you know people are gonna go watch that movie. Then you got X Men First Class, and then you know Harry Potter will be coming up. The final book. Oh really? They're releasing the final Harry Potter movie. What is it? Harry Potter and uh, the Retirement Home. Which which one is this about? 
This one's the Deathly Hollows Part Two. Oh, nice. Uh, so, what what film is this in the Harry Potter series? Like fifty five. I think this is like book eight or book nine. Well, no, we're talking about movies, sir. Just just get over the books, please. I mean, would you please? <laughs> yeah, Harry Potter I, I mean. Sucks. I, <laughs> I can't believe you. You're a big sci-fi guy, but can't get into the Harry Potter storyline. <laughs> you want to know what I think of Harry Potter? Go to hell! That oh, is what I think. As a matter of fact, you make us all sick. And you know what? I think that this is what our boy Harry needs to do. Have some guts! Show some guts! Guts here! You know, Joe, that is one guy I would love to get on this show. The impersonator of Chris Mad Dog Russo, who did an amazing job on that piece, sir. Wouldn't you agree? I would love to have him on the show, and we'd get to, like, record our own sound bites with him, probably. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I'm sure he's, he's too high and mighty for us. But uh, anything else there aside from Barry Potter? No, I mean, we're closing up the month of May. I think we have one more show May 31st, and then, you know, we have a, an important weekend at the end of next weekend. So, uh, you know, Fantasy Phenom is coming up real quick. Yeah, and of course, folks, we're going to have, joining us on Tuesday, the one and only Vance Archer, a.k.a. his real name, Lance Hoyt, formerly of WWE, which is his most recent endeavor, and TNA for several years. He's actually in New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling right now with MVP and all the rest of those guys out there. So Vance is going to be joining us for a stellar blockbuster, pure gold, in-depth interview. And, of course, we're excited about that. And uh, Thursday, Joe touched on the Fantasy Phenom. We're going to have the Fantasy Phenom himself, Greg Sussman of WFAN. He's going to be joining us and giving us his take on the on the experience and what it's been like this year working at, well, less than a year working at the fan. And possibly give some advice to those of you hopefuls out there who are trying to win the Fantasy Phenom competition to be a part of WFN. Sir, let us give out, once again, the wonderful advertisers this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, this show is brought to you by Easy Pizza. It's a new pizza concept. Homemade, aged, focaccia-style personal pizza. Choose from three savory crusts, including whole wheat. Of course, choose from four types of cheeses and finish it off from our wonderful selection of over 70 fresh toppings. And let me say, I've been there about 100 times, and their toppings are always fresh, and they can keep it nice and neat. They're also running a special $5 pizza with any fountain drink. No need to call ahead. Easy pizzas are made fresh before your eyes. They're ready to enjoy in only three easy minutes. Located at 184 Essex Street in Essex Square, next to National Liquidators in Lola. And they've also, just recently, this is day number two, they opened up a brand new location at the boardwalk at Seaside Heights. Thanks to Easy Pizza, fresh, just got easy. Make sure to mention Pure Gold when you come in and check them out in Lodi, New Jersey, or Seaside Heights, New Jersey. JB? Folks, tonight's show was also brought to you by our newest sponsor, Shalimar. Have you ever thought of starting a business, or do you need funding to grow your existing business? Follow Shalimar, the investor's advisor, on Twitter at twitter.com slash Shalimars. That's twitter.com slash Shalimars, S H A L. I-M-A-R-S. Or for more information, call 877-207-3402. You can also check out our website at InvestorsAdvisorsNetwork.com. Make your dreams become a reality today with the funding you need. DG? Folks, that's about all the time that we have for this evening. We appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you listening to this program. 
Of course, we appreciate Angel from Woodland Park for calling in. We'd like to thank Justin for uh, being a part of the show, as always. He's been on here about three or four times now, so we always appreciate his take. Uh, unfortunately, Pyro wasn't able to join us, but hopefully we'll have him on in the future. And, of course, thanks to Hans for bringing us 85,000 horrible shows that are all going to get canceled within a week of each other. We'd like to thank Fitz, our producer. We'd like to thank Kelly, our board off. We'd like to thank Jose, our media director, and, of course, you... The listening audience, once again, are the best part of the show, as always. And, of course, we will leave you once again, as we did on Tuesday, with this. Actually, sorry, folks, Fitz hit the wrong one. Jim!